morning. Okay, thanks. The yes, that helps. Good morning. Did I actually open my mouth and sound come out? Yes. Welcome. Thank you. That was awkward. Good morning, everybody. Okay. This is uh, one way to start and another way. There we go. Welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here. Uh, Like Ben mentioned, we're continuing our series called Pressure Points, and I started this last week, and we're actually, over the next few weeks, going to be looking and working through the book of James in the New Testament of the Bible. And James is written like a really helpful book of perspective, help, uh, but it's really through this kind of angle and lens of how do you deal with the things in our life that, that are difficult, that are hard, that weigh on us, that cause anxiety, and that cause uh, pressure. And pressure is defined as just the things that we have on our plate, responsibilities, stresses, fears that we may face about the future, about the things that we're facing right now. Anything that we experience in life where like the heat feels like it's getting turned up. And as the heat gets turned up, we get a little bit uncomfortable. It feels like the pressure kind of builds more and more. And last week, I talked about the fact that if you're experiencing pressure in life, uh, this is actually something that God wants to work for your good. And he wants to work for my good as well. Because where we experience the pressure is actually where God wants us to grow. And so if you're dealing with some things in your own life that you just feel overwhelmed by, or you feel like you're not exactly sure what to do, and you just kind of feel like you're just, everything feels like it's kind of collapsing on you, there's actually a lot of help that God wants to give to us in that moment. So that's what we're talking about in this series. And I want to kind of start where I ended last week by talking about kind of what God wants us to do. And there's this overarching principle uh, for the series, and that is that God wants to train me through the pressures that I face in life. Not only does God meet us with what we have going on in our life, but he actually wants to meet us with what we're dealing with and train us through it. That is, teach us how he works, teach us how he operates. Whatever we face, he wants us to learn more about him and more about living life his way. And oftentimes that that kind of comes into the focus and is magnified in pressure. That's why it actually is a good thing that God uses for our good. James 1.12, I read this last week, but I want to start here as the launching point this week. James 1.12 says this, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so he's talking about this idea of trial. That's the pressure. And blessed is the man. It goes well for the man that, that is steadfast. It's this idea of, of you're not crumbling. Uh, you're not bailing. You're not losing your footing. You're, you're firm and secure underneath the things that you're facing, in the middle of the things that you're facing. And so blessed is the man who's steadfast. So our goal in this series is how do we become steadfast people how do we actually learn how to remain in the pressure and learn from the pressure instead of wanting to bail out of the pressure and that's what we're going to be spending a few weeks doing going through the book of james today james is going to take us kind of on a further journey of talking specifically about certain type of pressure and that is temptation how do we deal with the temptations that we face in life And I'm going to talk about why we're tempted, kind of where it comes from, what are we supposed to do. Uh, But I also want to kind of define 
what temptation is. And temptation is something that, that we all face. And it's really this sense of there's something that we want that we shouldn't want. And that's oftentimes temptation. There's something that we want that we shouldn't want. Like it's wrong. Or there's things that we should want and we don't. And that's the flip side. It's just this longing for something we shouldn't have or an apathy for the things that we should want. And there's just we get pulled in either of those directions. And that's kind of what temptation is. And so I was reading kind of quotes on people related to temptation and struggles uh, this morning. And I came across one that, that I thought actually is very perceptive. And it's, it's actually from Prince. This is what Prince said about temptation. Hard to say what's right when all I want to do is wrong. That's the pressure point. And Prince, in this moment of clarity, is, is actually quite perceptive. What happens with temptation, because of the desires that are in us, we actually lose our bearings on what is right and wrong. And there's a lot of pressure that's there because we're not exactly sure what we're supposed to do. We may have dug a hole by bad decisions and we don't know how to get out of it. We may be filled with regret and shame because of the things that we've done. Or we may just be so filled with just this desire that we can't move forward and do the things that God wants us to do. But it leaves us feeling like this. It's hard to know what's even right because of all the desires that, that we have uh, going on in us. And so James in the chapter one of the book, and we read the kind of the first few verses uh, last week, he, he talks specifically about that. So I'm going to be answering the question, why am I being tempted? And kind of walk through the next set of verses. But let's just define temptation. And I have a little bit, but according to the dictionary, to tempt is this, to entice to do wrong by promise of pleasure or gain. There's an enticement that happens. It's, a, it's something that's very appealing to us. You're usually not tempted by things that have no appeal to you. You're tempted by things that they look impressive. They look good and it's tempting. And I like the definition here because what's enticing us is the promise of pleasure or gain. There's something that we think we will get if we make that choice and we turn to that thing. And there's this pleasure that we're going to gain or a promise. And the thing about temptation is it's actually not true. It looks like you're going to get that, but it's counterfeit. You can't get the promise or the gain that the temptation is offering you. And so just kind of to level the playing field with our own experiences, because anytime you talk about temptation, we're, we're all kind of in different boats of experiences. There's some things that we long for that someone else may not long for, and we don't tend to talk about temptation like openly. And the good news is this morning, I'm not going to have you stand up in groups by like what you're tempted by most. Isn't that like your biggest fear? You come to church and it's like, all right, all of you who love money, you're over here. I'm not going to do that because the fact of the matter is we experience temptations that are common to all of us. Meaning we're not actually that unique. We experience the same struggles that each other do. And so we actually have common ground. So here, here's some things just to kind of kind of get us on the, the, the level playing field together on temptation. Here, here's some that I thought of. This is not exhaustive, but there's a temptation we have to grumble. Have you ever grumbled? Okay, I know I've grumbled. Grumbling is actually sin. And there's a temptation to grumble, and we grumble against God or others. 
And usually we grumble against God or we grumble against others because we have expectations of that person. And then we base our judgment on them based on have they fulfilled the expectation that we had for them. But there is a pull in us as humans to grumble. If you read the scriptures, you see again and again people grumbling. Leaders grumbling about their people. People grumbling about their leaders. People grumbling about God. There's just a sense of you have not lived up to the expectations that I had for you. So there's a big pull and temptation to grumble. Another one is a shortcut to success. That's a real common temptation. The Bible says that diligent hands will rule. That means if you do things diligently in the right way, you actually will rule and and have something to show for your work. There's a part of us where we say diligent hands may rule, but a shortcut would get me there so much faster. And so in our work and how we do things, we want to cut corners. So there's a temptation just to kind of cut corners, not do it the right way so we can get the success we want quicker. That could lead us down paths of not being people of integrity, not telling the truth, cheating, all sorts of things. Other temptations, a sense of entitlement. There's a temptation in all of us that we feel that we are due or owed something. That's part of the human condition. If you've ever felt like, how could they do that to me? There's an entitlement that you have. It doesn't mean that what they did was right doesn't actually mean what they did was wrong. But there's an entitlement that says, I am owed by somebody. God owes me or others owe me. And if they do, don't live up to the end of the bargain that I think they should, then I'm going to get what I want and my ends justify my means. That's entitlement. A temptation of lust and sex and chasing fantasies. We all see that. We're actually dealt with and bombarded with that every day. How are we marketed to? It's by things that are enticing to us. You see billboards. You go on the internet. There's just things that you can see and do which are going to give you pleasure. It's a big temptation of just chase a fantasy. And sometimes fantasies, not even lust and sex. It could just be, I want something and I want to be somewhere where I'm not. And you chase this idea of you. That's actually not reality. It's fantasy. And there's this temptation to not actually live where you are, but live where you want to be. That's chasing a fantasy. And so all of these temptations plague us. And we each have our favorites. And we each have things that we're totally ashamed of and we'd never want anyone to know. So what's great about the scriptures is it gives you the space and the knowledge and the perspective to deal with things that you don't even want to think about yourself. And James hits it right on, what do you do when you're tempted? What do you do when you actually want to do something that you shouldn't? And you don't even want anybody to know, and you don't ever want to talk about it. But what do you do because it will happen? That's what's so great great about the scriptures. It cuts through to real life. Because all of us know that the things I just mentioned are real. We've experienced it, right? In some form or another, we've experienced it. So James is writing from this perspective of, why is that happening and, and what do you do? And so I want to talk about that. Uh, James 1, 13 through 15, this leaves off from that blessed is the man who is steadfast. And in 13, he says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person, now listen to this, but each person That's me and that's you. That's everyone on the face of the earth 
is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires or by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so he just got finished in verse 12 talking about blessed is the man that remains steadfast. And if you do, you're going to receive, receive the crown of life, meaning God is going to actually give you the promises that he told you. He is going to provide exactly like he said. And then he shifts in verse 13 and he talks exactly about the problem that we have. And that is even in the middle of wanting to remain steadfast and stay true to doing what's right before God, there's a part in us that just we all, why God? Why? Why is this such a struggle? Why do I keep failing? And oftentimes in our human frailty, we, we look to God as just, why have you not helped me? Why can't I overcome this struggle? And there's a tendency that we have that in the middle of the struggles of life and the pressures that we experience with temptation, we look to God and we can actually begin to blame him for what we experience. Have you ever met or known anyone that, that is mad at God? Or have you yourself struggled with that? Just being mad, angry, resentful towards God? It oftentimes, if you trace it back and you trace it back and you trace it back, it's sometimes connected, most of the time connected to a struggle that somebody has and they have no power. And they're just left just walking in place and they never go forward in life. So what James is saying is despite the fact that you feel powerless and you feel like you're stuck, do not blame God because he's not the cause of evil and he's not connected to evil. He is completely good. And the main point he makes is it's not God. It's you and it's me. And he talks about what that is. And that is that temptation, it comes from within us and it leads to death. And you see the progression it starts with this desire that we have wanting something so badly that it'll cause us to act even maybe against sound logic because we want it so bad. And so he's, he explains this, this progression it starts with evil desire. It's a longing, longing for the things that I've said, whether it's the expectation, the entitlement, the shortcut, the lust, the sex, whatever it is. That starts with a desire. We want something. We don't have it. When we have that desire, we're enticed. Okay? Enticed means we see something that looks like will fulfill the desire that we have. It's enticing to us. It's pleasing to our eyes. Then once we're enticed, it leads us to sin. Once we see that this thing will give me what I want, we're going to move towards it. And when we move towards it, it's sin. And ultimately, what the Bible says is sin is it's death. The wages of sin is death. It's spiritual death. It's physical death. And this temptation and death are, are tied all together. Now, that the picture of enticement is, is James is using the analogy of, of like how you would hunt or trap an animal. Okay? And... If you've ever tried to trap a rat, you have to feed them poison, okay? <laughs> That's pretty scary. Like, if this was 3D and you could put glasses on, 
It would be awesome. In fact, I had a picture, and the rat looked too cute. And so I Googled angry rat. And that's what I got. And I thought that was pretty good. Angry rat. Okay, that's his name. Angry rat. Needs to brush his teeth, but he's a rat. So he can do what he wants, right? But to trap a rat, you give him poison. But to trap a rat with poison, it actually needs to taste like food. So rat poison is like 99% food, 1% poison. Did you guys know that? You have learned something today. So right here, decon. It kills mice or rats. Guaranteed to kill. And the rat isn't looking at the food thinking like, I want to eat poison today. Now he's looking at the food thinking it's food. But he doesn't know that it's actually poison. And it, it leads to the rat's death. Now, I hope you don't have nightmares about that image. I apologize. But that's, that's the imagery. Or, or like with fishing. That's another analogy that you see. I don't have cool like fish pictures. I'm sorry. But, you know, to catch a, a fish for the most time, you can't just put a hook in there. Like a metal hook and be like, come on, fish, just bite that hook. What do you have to do? You have to bait it. Bait it with like food that's going to look or smell really good. And depending on the fish, you have to choose how you do that. But you can't catch fish with just a hook. So you bait it. And the fish sees nothing wrong until what? They take the bait. And then the hook is set. And then when they're being reeled in, and maybe when they're on the shore, and they're flapping, something's wrong. But that's what like temptation is for us. We tend to just see, in the middle of temptation, the bait. We don't see the hook. And we see the food, we don't see the poison. And what James is saying is, be careful. If your desires lead you to act out on what you desire... And you're enticed and you begin to sin. You're slowly going down a path of destruction. And it leads to death. C.H. Spurgeon was a, a British pastor. And he has written a lot of books. And he was like a great preacher and helped many people in England come to Christ. And he said this about this passage. It says, his own desire, he's talking about a man or a woman. His own desire, grown strong and hot till it cometh. To be a lusting. This is like good old English. That's why I had to share it. But This draws a man away. It baits the hook. And man swallows it. And it is thus entrapped and enticed. You see it's that. That desire grown strong. And hot till it cometh to be a lusting. You want something so bad. You want something so bad. That you don't see the poison. You don't see the hook. All you see is what you want to see. And that's what temptation is. So James is saying, don't, don't blame God. But you have to deal. If you're going to deal with temptation, you have to deal with your desire. And there's patterns of temptation that can really lead us down a destructive path. You can see it in culture and media. And it's sad stories after sad stories. You hear it on the news. You can read it in the newspapers. Sad story after sad story. But... Oftentimes the horrendous and hideous things that we see in our world comes from somebody acting on a desire for something that they really want. With no care or concern for anyone else. Why would they do that? They're just evil. 
Well, yes, they're, they're evil people. But they're also people filled with temptation. Just like you and I can be filled with temptation. Uh, people hurt people because they want something really bad. Jealousy. If you're filled with jealousy, you will do things that can cause so much destruction around you. Uh, if you love your career, uh, it can kill the relationships with those around you. That becomes your bait. That can become a poison that could kill your relationships. Uh, if you love stuff, if you love to buy stuff, and you get into debt, you can experience financial debt. You can get in a hole that's really hard to get out to get out of financially. So desires, whether it's related to people, whether it's related to stuff, whether it's related to prestige or success, it can spiral us down. And so James is saying you have to deal with the fact that you're dealing with hooks and poison, okay? Not food and bait. You just you have to see what you're dealing with, and that's what James James is explaining there. And so. It, it wears a mask, temptation. The reason it's temptation is because it looks promising. So James is saying, don't, don't be fooled. Don't think this is a God issue and, and he takes the blame. You have to deal with your desires and the longing for things that seem so helpful and that's so promising. You have to deal with that. Now, he, he then turns the corner and asks the question, so... Why are you tempted? Well, it comes from within you and your desires. To then, what do you do about it? And that's the second question that James brings up in this. The pressure of temptation, what should I do when I'm faced with it? So what, what should we do? I think all of us have things that we want that we know we shouldn't. Or these desires that just can kind of just be like looking at the shiny thing that we want, like a fish looking at the shiny bait of the hook. We all have our own. So James kind of shifts gears, and this is really interesting. And I want to read this in verse 16 and 18. This is what he says. He says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures so if you trace 13 through 15 it's this don't don't be deceived and then in verse 16 there's a reminder don't be deceived don't be led astray by your desires don't get trapped by what you really want and then in verse 17 he describes how that happens and it's interesting, he no longer is talking about temptation, is he? He actually shifts gear to what you should focus on. And so he started temptation with don't focus on blaming God, right? And then 17 is focus on turning to God and thanking him for, for his goodness and, and who he is. And you actually need to end up turning to God, but you need to do that with the right motive. And that's how you battle and that's how you fight temptation. The first point is you need to think about God's goodness, not the deception in front of us. Okay, because here's the thing about desire. If all you're thinking about that desire, 
You just want it more and more and more. I'm, I'm trying it. I'm trying to eat better. I mean, sometimes temptation. I mean, it's, it's food. But I'm, I'm not usually tempted over a cookie that's not there. I mean, sometimes less is really good. But most of the time, I'm tempted by the cookie that's there, right? Now, is it a lot easier for me to, to fight the temptation of a cookie if I'm looking at it and like, you don't want to eat that, Alex. Alex, you don't want to eat that. Is that a helpful strategy for fighting my desire? No, because it's just looking at me like, yes, you do, Alex. Your cookie's not taught to you guys. <laughs> the ones with walnuts, they do. But it's just, you know, if I just staring at it and staring at it, like, even me saying, I don't want it, I don't want it, it's still the focus is on what I don't want. So James is saying, you have to change your focus. He says, you need to look to the God who every good and perfect gift comes from. And so it's great because what James is saying is the desire that fills us of that promise or gain that we're enticed by. What James is saying is God has given you that. You want a promise and you want a gain that comes from the hand of God. So the very thing that you look to temptations to give, God has already given you. And they're gifts from him. And every good and perfect gift that you've ever experienced in this life is from his hand. You're not self-made. He's provided for you. He's come through for you. He gave you life. He gives you hope. So everything that we tend to look for counterfeit pleasure and counterfeit promise and counterfeit gain, James is saying... You can find it in God himself. He's good. And the second thing is once you focus on his goodness instead of just the deception, you then can put a filter on our desires. And the filter on our desires is God's goodness. That's how we filter. And practically, it's like putting a leash on our desires Okay, if you don't want the dog to run away, right, you've got to put a leash on it. My wife and I were running, uh, I think two weeks ago, and we're running on the sidewalk by a house, and a dog came just sprinting out of the yard. And my wife kind of started to, like, like, like one of those, like, frantic, and, like, I don't know what I did, but I kind of think I kind of hid, like, kind of behind her it was like a really bad moment like i'm being honest because it was real but like the dog was coming she's like "Ah," and i just was kind of like i didn't know what was happening and and then i see it's this little just this little dog and it's just running and and it is just like like looking like the rat like mouth open and and right when it's about to like attack it was a she it was the biggest dog you'd ever see it was like it was like this big i mean it was tiny Right when it was about to attack, the, the leash was, was on. But we didn't know it. And so it's like, if this is the, the edge of their lawn, I swear, like, the dog's mouth is just right there. She's trying to bite us. And, the, you know, the leash just, like, pulls it back. And, and we stop, and we're talking to the dog, like, you stop that. Like, stop it. And, you know, me, now I have to regain my mouth. Like, Yeah. 
thing. My wife was there in front of me. What's the point of this story? I, I don't know. I just wanted to share it. Just, it was traumatic for, for us both. No, but the difference of the leash or not was, was really important to this story. Because if the dog didn't have a leash, like, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that I would have, like, come to my senses and done what I needed to do to protect my family. Okay? But there would have been some problems. We were under attack from a dog. But the only thing that protected us was the dog was on a leash. I prefer if it was a shorter one. But it was on a leash, and there was protection. And the way that you put your thoughts and your desires on a leash is you have to think about the truth. And that's found in the scriptures. And the truth tells us about who God is. And so when we long for things that we shouldn't, we have to remind us of what really is good. And so what happens with temptation is we don't talk to anyone about it. We don't talk to God about it. And we get to a place where we're completely by ourselves in the dark and we have no help and we have no resources. And we're just thinking, well, I, I wish I wasn't in the dark. I really wish I wasn't in the dark. And what James is saying is in the moment that you're in the dark and the desires that you have are overwhelming you, invite God there. That's the issue with temptation. Invite God in to the thing that you're dealing with, the desire that's raging. Invite God in and you, you pray and you ask. You say, God, I, I really want this and I know that I shouldn't want it. And it's wrong. And so I ask for your help. And you turn to him in that moment. And this God that has no shadow and is full of light penetrates the darkness of our desires. That's what James is saying. There's no shifting shadow. There's no darkness. There's no evil. There's no temptation that he has given you in this. So when he comes, he comes completely in light. And it penetrates the darkness. And that's the leash that's on our desires. God is light and he is good. And so, so things that you need to say and, and think about are related to this. God, God doesn't play favorites. That's a key way to put a filter on. That's part of the leash. He doesn't play favorites. He's not out to get you. You don't have to blame him. You don't have to look at him in disdain. He's actually for you. He wants to help you. And you have to invite him in into the situation that you're facing. The other thing is, he loves you. And he is going to provide. He will give you what you long for. Because what you long for has actually been put in you by him. He created you. Culture does not know what you need. It tries to guess and it offers you counterfeits. But only God knows what you need because he made you. That's what James is saying. You've got to put a leash. You've got to remember he doesn't play favorites. He loves me and he will provide. Practically, this means that I say, pray, and obey every step of the way. I want to just talk about this because this is one of the most helpful tools you can have in battling temptation is to say, pray, and obey. You can remember this in the middle of the things that you long for, in the middle of temptation, this can really be a help. And this is where the truth of God and knowing his word is crucial. This is how you invite God in. So when you're tempted with something, 
Uh, James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who will give generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. What Prince was talking about, I don't know what's right because all I'm filled with is, is all the wrong I want. There's no clarity there. He didn't know how to move forward. And what James is saying earlier in the chapter is if you lack wisdom and you don't have clarity, which is actually the definition of when you're tempted because you don't know what's right and you don't know what's wrong, you need to ask God. And he'll give you wisdom to see. But you have to invite him in. And so the first say of the say, pray, and obey is, uh, God, here's what I'm struggling with, and I want to invite you into this. I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to act like this isn't happening in my mind because God already knows. So as many times we can just approach God like, I'm, I'm so ashamed I even had that thought. You know, God already knows you had that thought. He knows everything. So invite him in. Let him know, I had this thought. It's not right. It's not pleasing to you. Help me right now. I'm, I'm just dealing with this. I can't see the food from the poison. Help me, God. And then the next part of the say is you actually need to say like the truth, a scripture that you can remember in this situation. Now, here's the thing about the scriptures. You can't use it to fight temptation if you don't know what the scriptures say. That's why so many times on Sundays we encourage you guys to read the scriptures. Not only is that how you learn and grow in your faith, but that's how you fight temptation. That's the sword of the Spirit. That's what the scriptures describe itself. It's the sword. So our own desires and the enemy of this world, Satan, he, he stabs us and our desires stab us with falsehood counterfeit promises, counterfeit gains. And we strike back with the truth of who God is. So you got to say, invite God in, here's what I'm dealing with, and say the truth. And then you need to pray. You you ask God for help. God, help me in the middle of this. This is what your word says. Help me to obey you in this temptation. Which leads to the next, the, the actual obeying. You have to obey God and do what the scripture says to do. So say, pray, obey. If you can just kind of keep that in your mind, that can help prevent you from the traps of your desires. This is something that you just have to do continually throughout the day. Say, pray, obey. And right when you fight one temptation, another one comes. You have to say, pray, and obey. Now, here's the promise. This is the good news. There is no fight that you're going to fight in your life that God's not going to be able to rescue from. There's no temptation that you're going to fight or have to deal with that he's not going to rescue from. And why do I know that? Well, it's part of the say, pray, and obey. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I've said this to myself, and this has been a part of my own strategy when I feel like I'm overwhelmed and I can't change and I can't move forward and I can't make progress, this is a verse that helps me. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Those ones I listed, the common temptations, it's saying that we all deal with those. So there's nothing that you you face that, that you're somehow more evil than anyone else. Even that is a temptation. Like that, even that's a battle. Like, I'm terrible. I'm the worst person ever. Actually, 
The scriptures say no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So what you deal with, people deal with. So we're, we all struggle. And then it goes on. God is faithful. Those three words are so powerful in the battle because I know I'm not faithful. It's really hard for me to do what I should do and say what I should say. But God is faithful. And in temptation, I can't rely on my own faithfulness. I need God's faithfulness. So God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so say, pray, and obey in the situation that I face many times. When I'm overwhelmed with something and I feel like, God, I don't know how to push through this. This is something that's really hard and I want to give up. And God, if I'm really honest, I just kind of want what I want in this situation. I don't want to do what's right. If I'm really honest, I can tell God that and I invite him in. And then what his word is saying is, okay, you're, you're in the battle. Did you know that he's faithful? Well, what's he faithful to do? Well, in this scripture, he's faithful to provide you an escape. You don't have to give in to your desires. There is a way out. So what that does to me when I'm overwhelmed and I feel like I can't change and I feel like in this situation I just have to give in, I just have to give in, I just have to give in. There's actually a door that I haven't seen that says exit. And I can open the door and I can get out of there. What God's word is, is just like in a movie theater when it's all dark, you need to know how to get out. It's got the lights that lead to the door and the exit and you walk out. And that's what God's word is, the light. It shows us the path to which we walk down in the middle of darkness so we can walk out. What James is saying is if we don't do this, what happens when we give in to temptation? You're at your worst. I, I messed up again. And you just, you're filled with shame. I messed up again. I can't change. God can't help me. I can't move forward. I'll never be different. I won't ever be able to do this. I'm the worst. I'm never going to be able to make the progress that I want to make. I'm never going to be able to be the man that God wants me to be. I'm never going to be able to be who God wants me to be. And these things plague us and plague us and plague us and plague us. And when we're filled with shame, we further get away from God because we don't want to approach Him because we want to beat ourselves up. Because we've done bad. And then after a little bit, we get over the pain of the moment. And we feel a little bit better. And as we feel a little bit better, desires come again. And what do the desires tell us? You want to poison. And then we go back and we make a choice. And if we don't get out of there, we make the same thing. And you can see this again and again. Does any of this sound familiar? I've lived this life. And I've lived this situation so many times. And I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus Christ, you do not have to live that way. If you do not follow Jesus Christ, this is why 
you need to become a Christian. There is no way you can escape temptation without Jesus. There is no way. There's no powerful thinking. There's no strategy. It's the Word of God that illuminates the truth that Jesus will rescue you from even your desires. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There's no other way. So I want to encourage you. There's been so many times in my own life where I've been plagued by the guilt of sin and shame, but also just the shame of not fighting, the shame of just caving into my sin again and again. I want to encourage you. What James is saying is, turn to God in His goodness. Get to know His promises. Get to know who He is found in His Word. And then you can begin to fight. So I just want to just encourage all of you. You're, you're not too lost. And you've not done anything that, that God is going to remove you from His grace. That's the best news ever. And there actually is help and progress that you can make as you turn to God and you recognize that you need Him. God is faithful. So as I close out, I want to invite the band up. And there's some next steps that you can take today just related to to what I've been talking about. So as the band comes up, pull out your connection card. And if you haven't filled out that yet or you haven't finished filling it out, go ahead and do that. There's three next steps you can take. Two are related today and then one is related to next week. Okay. The first one is turn to God and ask for help in the middle of a temptation this week. Do you know what the temptation you're going to face this week is? Probably not. Most of the time, temptations we don't see coming. But we know that they're going to be shiny and appealing. So with whatever you face this week, turn to God in the middle of it and ask Him for help. If you've never done that before, turn to God in the middle of it and ask Him for help. He knows what's going on. You know what's going on. Invite Him in. Okay, and the second is if you've never invited Jesus into your life, part of what we're about here at Church and I, and it's really the most important thing, is we want to help people commit their lives to follow Jesus. That's why we're here. Because in this context, we want everybody to overcome temptation. And we want everybody to see that God, the powerful God of the Scriptures, and the powerful God who leads us today, He actually wants to walk with us and show us what real life is. And so if you've never experienced that real life, if you've never committed your life to Christ, I invite you to do that today. You may not even know what that means, but if you check that box, we'll follow up with you and and we would love to help you learn what that means to commit your life to follow Jesus. And then the third is in preparation for next week. Again, reading the Bible is one of the most helpful things that you can do to fight. But it also teaches you about who God is and how to walk with Him. So for next week, we're going to be talking about faith. And if you read James 1, 19 through 27, that will kind of get you ready for what we're going to talk about next week. So go ahead and take one of those next steps today. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing another song back to God and receive our offering. Let's pray. God, thank you for your faithfulness.
for being who you say you are, and for always offering a way out of escape. Even for the things that we just desperately want. God, show us the counterfeit desires and passions and promises that we have in our own hearts. And God, begin to help us replace those with the true promises that you've given us in your scriptures. So we ask for clarity and your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.